back to faith over dishonor. So I'm going to try something a little different as I record the next episodes in the near future. I don't want to sound like I am so depressed and just talking about the Bible. You know, I want I want to be more vocal, more active, more more proud, I should say. I want to be the type of person that when I talk about Jesus and God in the Bible, that it doesn't seem like a monotone figure that is just sad all the time. And it seems like the the more I try to <clears throat> sound serious when I do a podcast, it seems like the more underlining tone of my voice is just more depressing than it is to, you know, instead of the joy that I'm trying to bring through the teachings of the gospel, you know, the word of Jesus and God. So we are going to do this in a very brand new way when it comes to my voice. I'm going to become more excited, more happy, more uh, like hopefully more appeasing when it comes to talking about the Bible and the gospel. And before we get to today's uh, topic of this episode, um, I want to apologize for the last episode. Um, Come to find out that I said that Elizabeth was Mary's sister. And I realized after I published the episode that that was wrong. And, you know, because what I do is, when I release an episode while I'm delivering on my mail route, I'll replay my episode and see where I made mistakes at. And I caught this one pretty quickly. So Elizabeth is not Mary's sister. Elizabeth is Mary's cousin. So forgive me for saying it was her sister. I will own that mistake. That is on me. I even read it during the story, uh, during the book of Jesus's birth, it even says Elizabeth is Mary's cousin, and yet I said Elizabeth was Mary's sister. That's on me. I don't know where I got sister from. Maybe I was just excited <laughs> about realizing why John is Jesus. Uh, why Jesus says John is his cousin, even though I didn't understand it properly, considering the fact I said sister, not cousin. But I realized that they were actually relatives. And come to find out, Elizabeth is the cousin of Mary, not the sister. And I even said in the recording of the episode, Elizabeth, Mary's cousin. But I was also saying Elizabeth, Mary's sister. So I apologize. Please forgive me for that. That is completely on me. And what we're going to do is get better with this. I'm learning. Uh, I'm hoping that you all are learning with me. You are reading with me. You are trying to understand with me. So that way I can provide a better experience and and better teaching of the word as I try to understand along with all of you. So if you're still with me, thank you. I really appreciate it. And we are going to, I'm not going to say we're, it's I am going to do better. I promise you. And with this, the topic of today, I actually dove deep. I did multiple 
resource research on this one because there were certain things that I didn't understand or I thought I understood and I was completely off. But, you know, that's what comes with trying to understand the gospel and Jesus' word. The more you research, the more you pray for understanding, the more understanding you will get. So, uh, today's topic is the book of Jonah. And before we completely get into the book of Jonah, I just want to remind you all that my Christian Christian Faith Apparel store is still going. Um, it is www.bonfire.com slash store slash faith over dishonor. And I've even started a little thing on my TikTok um, under the Faith and Dishonor brand name. I'm starting to do a... Um, having a coffee with a Christian type clips. And yesterday I made my first one. I was, I was, I was very excited about it. Uh, it was, I see, <clears throat> sorry, I got something in my throat, but, uh, I seem to pause a lot when I'm trying to think of the right words to say. And that's just my nature. But I hope that what I spoke about, which was bearing your cross, uh, was a positive message and an informative one as I went through it. So, if you're not following me on TikTok, perfectly fine. Um, but it is uh, Faith Over Dishonor on TikTok. So, if you just so happen to come across through there, you will see visuals of me. I'm not doing a YouTube video recording of this podcast just yet. I may never do it. <coughs> Excuse me. It seems like... That is a lot of work to put in, and I don't have the actual time to put it in. Uh, so I'm just sticking strictly with audio for the time being. And who knows, maybe at some point I will get more uh, visual you know, with video and with certain things. may not be this podcast, but I honestly thought about doing little short films dealing with the Christian faith. So we'll just see how that turns out. And I think, excuse me for just one moment, I do believe I need to turn my light on because it is getting late. And I just knocked over my Bible. That's nice. That's what I get for moving. There we go. And let me straighten up my Bible here because I totally just crinkled up these pages. Sorry, Micah and Jonah. I just completely crinkled up that page because it fell off. I need another little table up here in my little office. So that way, everything's not so cramped. It's like right now at my desk. I've got two desks, but one's got my com my desktop computer on it. Along with a dragon and two of them squishmallow things. My son's obsessed with them. Uh, but I've got Harry Potter ones. I've got Gryffindor and Slytherin. On my computer desk, and I got Ravenclaw and Hufflepuff on another little table. That's also next to my Superman statues and stuff like that. So, it's it seems like I am a hoarder of sorts. And I apologize for the vehicles in the background if you hear them. This room that I'm in is not it's not soundproofed, and I can't soundproof this room whatsoever. It's an old house I live in that I, I, me and my wife rent here in the middle of my town. I'd rather much be out in the country. I, trust me, I do. I love the country a lot more than I like living in the city. 
but it's a big enough house for all of us. And one day, Lord willing, we will own a home out in the country. You know, we'll get there eventually if it's in God's will. So, but yeah, like I said, I apologize if you hear vehicles in the background. It's, I don't have my own little recording studio. This is all me. This is all funded by me. And I do the best I can. So, forgive me for the background noise. You know, and honestly, I probably could get a uh, audio editing program that could probably eliminate the background noise, but I just, I don't have it in my budget right now, because I'm, I mean, I'm paying for bank loan two vehicles, and rent, and insurance, medical, and car, and like, it's... It's a good thing I make the money that I make, or otherwise I couldn't afford to be here. I'll just say it that way. But anyways, enough about all that. So, let's get down to... Oh, wait. Forgot one more thing. I apologize. This is like a lot of banter just from me. I can't wait to get somebody on here with me. But... So, at first when I started this, I wanted to do an every Friday type deal. But... It seems like that is a little unrealistic at the moment with my work schedule, the time I spend with my family, because I only get certain days with my kids, considering the fact that I have two, I have four kids by two different women. That was back in my, 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 my day. <laughs> I'll say it that way. Uh, so it's split custody, split visitation. So the days I do have my children, I keep it to just me. And it seems like Nellie's barking at something. So I will be right back. All right. I am back. Man, that was one of my buttons on my mixer. <laughs> Told you we was going to start having fun with it. Okay. So... I don't even remember what I said last time before I had to go downstairs. Uh, yeah, that was, that was a fun trip up and down them stairs four times. Dog was barking, come to find out. It was the mother of my sons come to get my oldest son's medicine. He's on amoxicillin for strep throat because they cannot seem to get rid of it. It is just back and forth between both my sons. It's ridiculous. Anyways, all right. Let's get down to it. The Book of Jonah. Now, we all know, anytime Jonah's mentioned, it's what we automatically remember or visualize, Jonah and the whale. It seems like the whale is the focal point of this book when it comes to like children's stories. And, of course, you know, children have the minds that are easily molded. You know, they will absorb anything around them. So when it's constant Jonah and the whale, they're always going to coincide and put together Jonah and a whale. So before we get to the actual whale, we are going to start with chapter one in the book of Jonah. And as I read, I'm not going to read word for word. I would like for you all to do this, so that way you'll learn just as much as I try to learn. And But um, there's going to be certain little parts that I'm going to read, 
and I've got questions written down for myself, questions I answered for myself when I did research, and I want you all to also think about these questions as I ask them. Do your own research, see what you can find out. Because, excuse me, even though I'm trying to help y'all learn the gospel and the word of Jesus, it is always good for the people on the other end of the teaching to do their own research and figure out their own interpretation. Because uh, it is highly possible that my interpretation will not always be correct. I'm... Dude, dude, them cars, man. My interpretation, considering I did not write these books, I am not Jesus. I am not God. Even though I believe in them, I am not them. <laughs> uh, I don't know the true meaning behind every word. All I know is how I, what I can, what I, how I feel, and what I research. And if God gives me the complete understanding of the scripture, then I'll know it. But what, I, what I'm trying to say is interpretation is just that interpretation. It's how you see what you read. You know, it's kind of like the whole, like, oh, of a war. You know, opposite sides. You know, let's say American, you know, kind of like World War II, America and Germany. The people in Germany thought America was the villain. People in America believed Germany was the villain. It's all how you look. It's your perspective. That's what I'm trying to get at. It's your perspective on the lesson that is being taught. So, like I said, I always encourage everyone that is trying to uh, understand the gospel to read it themselves and try and figure out their own interpretation of the words being presented in front of them. So, Jonah chapter 1, verse 1, uh, Jonah commissioned. Now, the word of the Lord came unto Jonah the son of... Now, forgive me if I mispronounce some names because they are names that are not of my language. Uh, now the word of the Lord came unto Jonah, the son of Emetai, or Emetai, I don't know, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, the great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. So, the way I see this, it's the, there is so much wickedness in the city of Nineveh. It's so bad that God paid attention to it like solely focused on that town and he awoken Jonah the prophet who was also a preacher to go and try to save them he wants I mean all automatically this story is presenting God's compassion toward people even the wicked uh, the ultimate sinners you know the ones that have kind of went astray from from God himself. So from the get-go, we, we notice that God wants, God, God shows compassion even to the most volatile people, to, to the enemies of Christian followers. Now, this, this is interesting. Uh, chapter 1, verse 3. But Jonah rose up to flee unto Tarshish, from the presence of the Lord and went down to Joppa and he found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare thereof and went down into it 
to go with them unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. So immediately Jonah ran from God. God spoke to him directly, told him to go preach at Nineveh, and Jonah ran. Now, at first when I was reading the book of Jonah, I thought maybe Jonah was scared, which is still a possibility. But I honestly thought his sole reasoning for uh, fleeing from G uh, from God was because he was scared of God. Now, that's not, from what I have read, that is not the case. So, my first question that I wrote down, why did Jonah run away from God? I'm going to give you just a minute to try and work that out in your mind. Why would Jonah run from God? After he explicitly told him to go to Nineveh, and preach because the wickedness of that town has caught his attention. Like I said, I'm going to give you just a moment while I reload my uh, nicotine pouch. And I say nicotine pouch because it is truly a nicotine pouch. I quit smoking cigarettes um, roughly almost five years ago. Let's. Oh, oh wait. Thank you, thank you. Yes, it was a hard decision. It was tough, but I did it. And I actually put down my vape a year ago. So let's hear it again. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, yes. I appreciate that. Thank you, yes. That was a very hard decision. A hard thing to do, too. But now I'm addicted to nicotine pouches. Okay, enough about me. That was just some time to... To go through and see if you can figure out something in your own interpretation on why Jonah would flee from God. And so, what I have read, and it's actually still in the book of Jonah. <clears throat> if you skip over, and like I said, with, with this, we're going, because this the answer to this question is actually uh, told, completely told further in the book. Now, in the book of Jonah, there is literally only four chapters. It is two pages long without introduction. So, it, But if you put the introduction in it, there's three, but it's only two pages long. It is a very short story. Eh, Jonah, a short story. There we go. But uh, if you go to chapter four, verse two, in the book of Jonah, it says, then said the Lord, doest thou well to be angry. Okay. So Jonah went out of the city. Wait a minute. No. <laughs> I don't know why I went. Oh, I went to verse four in chapter four. My apologies. See, I'm learning. I'm trying. I promise. But uh, chapter four, verse two. <laughs> this is going to be fun. Uh. Okay, and he prayed unto the Lord and said, I pray thee, O Lord, was not this my saying when I was yet in my country? Therefore I fled before unto Tarshish, for I knew that thou art a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger, and of great kindness, and repentest thee of the evil. That was Jonah's reasoning from fleeing from God and not going to Nineveh. So, in chapter 4, verse 2, 
Jonah prayed unto the Lord. And, you know, he told the Lord that, you know, you're slow to anger. You are gracious and you will repent. You will repent us the evil that is going on. Uh, he says that you're merciful. You repent us the of evil. So think about, think about that. Jonah told the Lord that he was angry, you know, after he even, and chapter four is after he went to Nineveh, but clearly, well, I can't really say clearly because I had to, it took me a minute to understand what that, uh, what he said to the Lord, because at first I thought, I mean, technically my thought was correct, but it wasn't completely correct. I just, you know, I was like, why, why would he be saying he's mad because the Lord is merciful and graceful? Is it because he sent Jonah to Nineveh and Jonah didn't want to go, but yet he thought the Lord's grace would be like, oh, okay, that's fine. You can stay home. So, no, that's not what it was. <laughs> Even though at first I thought, after I read chapter 4, verse 2, uh, I thought that might have been the reasoning Jonah was mad. But... Uh, Jonah knew this is why Jonah was this is why Jonah ran from God Jonah knew that if he was able to get to Nineveh to uh, have the Ninevites repent God wouldn't destroy Nineveh but Jonah wanted Nineveh gone the city was an enemy to Israel Jonah hoped it would be annihilated so that's why at first, Jonah did not want to go to Nineveh. He wanted God to just destroy the city. He did not want to give them the opportunity to repent and seek God. So, te Jonah was kind of not being a good Christian, I should say. He was, uh, he was a little bit racist in the fact of the people of Nineveh. Because, you know, we all know that in any community, any town... Wherever you go, there's always going to be some bad apples, bad seeds, people. I mean, sometimes my TikTok gets flooded with people that are trying to get others to not be a Christian, to not follow God, to not follow Jesus, to not accept Jesus as their Lord and Savior. And I really wish I could talk to them and help them understand why we do what we do and why we follow Jesus. But it's not my time yet because I'm not, I'm not finding the right words to say when those videos pop up and it's, it's okay. It's just, it's just not my time. I got to be patient with defending that, um, you know, de defending my Lord with, or, you know, my reasoning for my faith when it comes to uh, the people that are unfortunately not followers that don't understand. So, Jonah kind of, you know, Jonah's a prophet. God spoke directly to him that, you know, he's a prophet. He was, uh, he was also a preacher from my understanding. So he knew God's words and he knew who God was. So that's why he was like, I know you're slow to anger and, uh, you're merciful. You are gracious. You, uh, are of great kindness. You repent, repentance thee of evil. So, for Jonah to not want that type of relationship for other people with God, but but in all fairness, these were enemies of Israel. These people, 
hated Israel. They attacked Israel. So I, Jonah had a preconceived notion of these people as, you know, and it also could have been from what he's seen from these people that, you know, they didn't deserve God's love, which everyone deserves God's love. We are not worthy of what God does for us. We're not worthy of what Jesus has done for us, but we seek salvation through him in hopes that he does see us as worthy. And, but Jonah's mind was made up. He was like, no, none of them are worthy. They need to be annihilated. They need to be killed off. None of it does just needs to cease to exist. So Jonah did not have that didn't want to give Nineveh the fair chance of finding God. And, you know, we all sometimes have feelings like that towards people. You know, it's just, it's human nature. And we can't, and you know, when I read this, I was like, how could you, Jonah? How could you? God told you directly. And then I remember my past days. And, you know, sometimes I still, I, of course, I fall short. I fall short every day of God's love, but God still loves me. Jesus still loves me. But, you know, so I think of, you know, the many times that Jesus has tried me to try to steer me in the right direction and I turn my back. So can't hate Jonah for that. Can't really be angry with Jonah for that. He's, he's human. Oh, he was human. He just, you know, he, he made a mistake and he had a hardened heart for Nineveh and it, you know, we, we all have hardened hearts for certain things. That's just how, how we are. We're human. And it's, you know, it's part of the fall that we had. It's a sin. But so all we can do is forgive Jonah for his behavior and the reasonings for why he did what he did. All right, so let's continue. I think I rambled on enough. Uh, So chapter one, verse four, but the Lord sent out a great wind into the sea and there was a mighty tempest in the sea so that the ship was like to be broken. Now, if you want to read along, I am I am doing the King James Version. I know there's like the NIV, the CSB, there's all kinds of uh, different uh, way to read the Bible. Uh, you know, uh, more clear interpretations, stuff like that. But if you want to read along with me, I'm doing King James Version. Uh, it's a Bible my grandpa gave me a long time ago, and I will never part with it. And it's the one I always read from, unless I'm trying to do like a a better um, study type. I have a Bible study guide, and I'll, I'll pull it out every now and again. But most of the time, I'm using my phone because I'm reading. I'm on Luke with my phone with the Pastor Study Guide app, and I'll bring out the the True Holy Bible on most occasions. Anyways, um, but the Lord sent out a great wind into the sea. There was a mighty tempest in the sea, and the ship was like to be broken. Then the mariners were afraid and cried every man unto his God. Now, did you catch that? Then the mariners were afraid and cried every man unto his God and cast forth the wares that were in the ship into the sea to lighten it of them. But Jonah was gone down into the sides of the ship, and he lay and was fast asleep. So, right there it says, it basically is telling us that the shipmates and the captain of that ship all worshipped 
a different God than Jonah, than what we do. So, right there, I mean, even even them worshiping a different God, God still didn't do anything to them because he's merciful and gracious. I just wanted to throw that in there. <clears throat> so, uh, verse 6, So the shipmaster came to him and said unto him, and this is him going to Jonah, What meanest thou, O sleeper? Arise, call upon thy God. If so, be that God will think upon us that we perish not. So after the shipmates and the shipmasters, so to speak, uh, prayed to their God and nothing happened, they knew Jonah was a preacher, uh, I'm guessing, because they went straight to him. They said, hey, pray to your God. And in the in the King James Version, when it talks about the shipmate's God, it's a lowercase g. But when the shipmaster goes to Jonah and says, your God, it's a capital G. So that will distinguish the different uh, worship there. Um, our God, capital G, their God, little g, because their God is not a God. It is a false idol. And Jonah's God is our God, the one and true God. So, now, my question, you know, I mean, it's kind of straightforward because it does say here, So the shipmaster came to him and said unto him, What meanest thou, O sleeper? Arise, call upon thy God. If so, be that God will think upon us that we perish not. So my next question I wrote down was, What made the crew members of the boat to tell Jonah to pray to his God after they prayed to theirs? And I wrote down my answer. Uh, The shipmaster realized the one that they worshipped was not going to help because it didn't exist. So the shipmaster asked the one person on the boat, which is Jonah, who didn't share the same God and was the only one that wasn't a part of his crew. So, you know, the shipmaster knew that all of them worshipped their God that they, for some odd reason, thought was real. And... When their God didn't answer to them, and when they cried out during the storm, they went to Jonah, the one that does not worship their God. And it could have been Jonah told them who his God was beforehand, or uh, they already knew who Jonah was and knew which God he worshipped. Or it also could be that Jonah was fast asleep. So he had no worries. So they thought that maybe, just maybe, uh, Jonah was asleep during the storm, not worried because he knew that his God was taking care of him. Who knows? That's three different possibilities on that one. I honestly would like to think that the shipmaster realized and the crewmates realized that their God was not true or real. And the God that Jonah worships, that we worship, is true. You know, and kind of like had a tiny change of heart. Just enough. Just enough for them to realize, hey, maybe we should talk to that guy about his God. Because maybe his God's actually real. You know, just, you know, that little that little nugget that got pushed inside the shipmaster's head. <clears throat> so, uh, as I can, you know, I'm going to continue my answer here. So, um... The shipmaster figured Jonah 
And also, this is another one. I totally forgot I wrote this down. This is another possibility. Uh, the shipmaster figured Jonah brought the storm upon them, and was and it was actually confirmed that Jonah was the reason for the storm because Jonah told them he was evading God. So the shipmaster told Jonah to pray to his God for safe passage. Not pray to the shipmaster's God, but pray to God. Uh, so, I say so a lot. So we're going to go to verse 7. And they said, Everyone to his fellow, come and let us cast lots, that we may know for whose cause this evil is upon us. So they cast lots, and the lot fell upon Jonah. Now Jonah, and like I said, I, I kind of interpreted that Jonah told them that he was uh, the reason for the storm because he's evading God and God's trying to, you know, get him, trying to bring him back. And it took me, like, I had to actually do some research on what casting lots meant because that's a whole different phrase than what we use. You know, we blame. But uh, cast lots basically means random select. Now, it's not really that random in this case because none of the ship mass, the, the shipping crew or the shipmaster are going to blame each other for a storm when they're just trying to make money and, you know, go their own way. And the one guy that's on their boat that didn't belong, a storm hits all of a sudden. So they're not going to randomly cast an accusation. They're going to completely cast an accusation to the one that doesn't actually belong on the boat. So then they said unto him, this is verse eight, tell us, we pray thee for whose cause this evil is upon us. What is thine occupation? And whence comest thou? Why is thy country? What is thy country? And of what people art thou? And see right here, Jonah actually tells them. And he said unto them, I am a Hebrew, and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, which hath made the sea and the dry land. Then were the men exceedingly afraid and said unto him, Why hast thou done this? For the men knew that he fled from the presence of the Lord because he had told them. Right there. So that, that kind of confirmed that right there. Um, so, weird thing. This is weird. I have read through this twice now. I don't remember reading that part. That's why I did the whole, maybe Jonah told him. I mean, it clearly says Jonah did tell him. My mind was somewhere else. Maybe it's because, I, I don't know, that was... That was odd. So, Jonah did tell him. So, the reason they told... The reason... Hmm. Sorry, I gotta drink water. My throat is dry. So, the reason they told Jonah to pray to his God was you know, not because they knew what Jonah done at first. It was because their God didn't do anything. And they hoped that maybe Jonah's God would. Sorry to interrupt the in between this episode, but uh, I wanted a chance to say to all of you, I am going to do a giveaway. Um, so I want to give it about a month. Um, today is February 29th, but the release of this episode is March 1st, so we'll say March 1st. Uh, from March 1st to April 1st, April Fool's Day, uh, I'm going to hold a little contest. So anybody who will 
rank the show or give it a review however you listen to it and uh, send me an email at faithoverdishonor at gmail.com send me an email, email that you've ranked it or left a review and out of all the people that does this I'll put them in a drawing and whoever wins will get a free Faith Over Dishonor Christian Faith Apparel t-shirt hoodie uh, long sleeve shirt doesn't matter it'll be your choice of whichever scripture I have available in my store now by then I could have a couple more designs done but uh, all you have to do is rate the show or review the show uh, send me an email at faithoverdishonor at gmail.com give me your name uh, your address and stuff like that and you'll be entered into a drawing to win a free Faith Over Dishonor Christian Apparel merchandise so yeah figured it'd be a good way to give back to the listeners and I may do this every other month so or it could just be a random one popping up like this one so just be sure to tune into Faith Over Dishonor podcast and listen and wait for these giveaways. Thank you all. Love you. God bless. We actually might read this a lot. Uh, then, uh, verse 10, Then were the men exceedingly afraid and said unto him, Why hast thou done this? For the men knew that he fled from the presence of the Lord because he had told them. Maybe I did read that part and I kind of put it ahead of myself. Because, you know, trying to read old lang- like old ways of putting sentences together can really boggle the mind. So it is highly possible that's what I did. But, I mean, technically I'm not wrong. <laughs> sort of. I apologize. Uh, I'm learning. I promise. Uh... Then said they unto him, What shall we do unto thee, that the sea may become unto us? For the sea wrought and was tempestuous. And he said unto them, Take me up and cast me forth into the sea, so shall the sea become unto you. For I know that for my sake this great tempest is upon you. So right there shows a bit of Jonah's heart. But it also depends on how you look at it. And he did tell them, the sea is roaring. There's a storm because of me. So throw me to the sea. You Hopefully you'll be saved. So my next question is, why did Jonah tell the shipmaster to throw him from the boat? Now, there could be two reasons here. And both can be right or just one is right. And, you know, if you just stick to looking at the words, like I have done many times, it seems like Jonah has a heart for the the shipmates and the shipmaster and doesn't want them to perish because of his fling from God. But we know how Jonah's heart can be. So the two reasons I kind of have came up with was Jonah could have offered himself up as sacrifice to either save the crew from God's wrath or He wanted to die because he didn't want to try to save Nineveh. And if he saved, and if he died, then the chance of them repent, the chance of uh, the people in Nineveh of repenting were of extremely low odds. Then Nineveh 
would be destroyed. So it's kind of, we don't know exactly what was in Jonah's heart when he told the shipmaster to throw him overboard, but it honestly could be two of those reasons. Either, either one of those reasons right there. I'm hoping it was because he had a heart for the crew and the shipmaster and did not want them to perish in the sea. So he was willing to sacrifice himself to save them from God's wrath. That's my hope. And that's, that's probably what I'm going to stick with. Because I try to see the good in people. so, And I'm hoping that he had that kind of heart. Now, the fun part. Uh, this actually, this was pretty awesome right here. Uh, it says, nevertheless, the men rode hard to bring it to land. But they could not, for the sea rot and with temp- tempestuous against them. And was tempestuous against them. So even the crew <clears throat> tried not to throw Jonah overboard. They wanted to try and get them all safely to land. So that is, that's an amazing part of the story. That shows the heart of the shipmaster and the crew. They don't want no one to perish into that sea. They wanted to try and save themselves as well as Jonah, even though Jonah told them he is the reason for the storm, but they wanted everyone to make it to dry land. I thought that was very awesome. <clears throat> Wherefore they cried unto the Lord and said, We beseech thee, O Lord, we beseech thee, let us not perish for this man's life. <coughs> Excuse me. And lay not upon us innocent blood, for thou, O Lord, hast done it as it pleased thee. See, right there, they were asking God for them not to, for him not to allow the crew to perish because they did not want to have innocent blood on their hands. They wanted to help Jonah survive to dry land in that storm. So, but here's the thing. When the storm was still raging and they've, they just figured, okay, we have to do what we got to do because God's still not stopping this storm, even though we are trying our best to keep everyone alive, even Jonah. They took up Jonah and cast him forth into the sea. And the sea ceased from her raging. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly and offered a sacrifice unto the Lord and made vows. Now the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow, swallow up Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. So even though this, this is an amazing thing as well. Because we all know God is all-knowing. So he knew. Okay, so let me let me dive in a little bit with this right here. So everyone knows God is all knowing. Hands down. The thing is, what I have kind of felt and interpreted with God being all knowing. And you know, there was a, a question asked on RTC podcast, Real Talk Christian Podcast. Great, great podcast. If you ever get a chance to go listen to them, do it. Um, amazing, amazing people. What I have kind of figured out in my head, and I could be absolutely wrong, completely wrong. So take this with a grain of salt. This is just how I feel about this certain uh, situation here. God is all-knowing. People asked RTC if, since God is all-knowing, did he create 
the elite, the chosen, which is, you know, Christian followers such as us, the ones that try and teach the word, learn the word, and, you know, want to be in heaven. Did he create the elite? And also, did he create people, certain people to just go to hell? If he's all-knowing, he knows where they're going to end up in the end. And we all know that God created people because he loves people. His creation is the showing of his love. He doesn't want anybody to go to hell. He wants everybody to be with him, want to choose him, want to be in heaven with him. So that question got me thinking a lot more about how I kind of see that type of uh, statement about God being all-knowing. And this also comes with free will. I believe in my opinion, like I said, this is just my opinion. Yes, God is all-knowing. But with free will, I believe when God gives us a path, you know, how we can all either choose to walk the path or walk away from the path. You know, he gives us multiple paths. Whichever path we choose, that's where he knows where we're going to be. So, like, say, a time in my life where I was a horrible person, um, sinned a lot, uh, you know, and God put something in front of me saying, hey, you need to come this way to be closer to me. Or you can just stay on the same road that you're on. Which are you going to choose? Now, if I chose the road I was on, then he's going to know where I'm going. I'm going to be a sinful, horrible person that rejects Jesus as my Lord and Savior. But if I choose the path which I'm on now, which is to follow Jesus, to love Jesus, to try and do better with my life, to preach the gospel, to learn the gospel, then God knows that I'm working my way toward down this road. So I just, that's where I'm getting my all-knowing from. You know, God doesn't create people just for hell. God, God created hell for Lucifer and his uh, rebellious angels. He didn't create... He didn't create hell for humans, for us. He created it for the devil. And God didn't create people for hell. He created people out of love. So, the all-knowing God that we serve, you know, Jesus knew too. He knew from the beginning what was going to happen. But he knew his and, you know, he, he knew what he had to do. That was his path. So he was all-knowing in his path, and what he had to do, and what he was going to do to save mankind, to get us away from sin as much as possible. But he didn't know what some random person over here was going to do, you know, like walking down the street, you know, crossing the street, whatever. Because Jesus knew his path. So, what I'm trying to get here is, I believe that when God puts paths in front of us, whichever path we take, he knows where we're going to go. And he will give us multiple chances to get on the right path. 
there's a second, third, fourth, fifth, tenth, hundredth, thousandth chance. He never gives up. We're the ones that give up. So that's neither here nor there. That's not what I'm trying to talk about. But uh, like I said, I believe God being all-knowing uh, and, and is f- de- dependent on our free will on which path to walk. If that makes sense. That's my, that's my ideolo- ideology, I guess, theology, whatever you want to say it. So back to, I know I strayed away, but back to Jonah. The shipmates had a choice to fight the sea. And try and get Jonah to dry land as well as themselves. Or they can toss Jonah into the water and beg for forgiveness. And because they tossed Jonah into the water and the storm stopped, they began worshiping and making promises to God. I said Jesus earlier. Jesus is God. But you, you know what I meant. So God gave them two paths. He they could have either kept trying to row and risk dying and never making it home while trying to save everybody, which is, you know, it's a good intention. I, I, I applaud the shipmaster and the crewmates for that. They tried to save everybody, including Jonah. But what I wonder what would have happened if they would have kept trying to go, if the book would have just ended or if the book would have even been put into the Bible. I don't know. But when they chose to throw Jonah overboard, that path was set. God was like, "Okay, they're going they're going to be with me now." So it's 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 weird. Oh, I, I wouldn't say weird. It's profound on choices that we can make that will affect where we're going to go. If you understand, I, I hope I made that clear. I just thought that was amazing how. There was two paths literally in front of the shipmaster and the crew, and they chose the path that directly led them to God. Even though it was a, a sacrificial, uh, throw Jonah overboard type path, but it was what they were supposed to do. So, I don't know, think about that. See see if that made any sense. If not, holler at me. <laughs> I, may, I hope I made that. Uh, clear, I guess I should say. I don't know. Uh, anyways, so onward. Um, so my next question doesn't come in till a little bit further down. Um, chapter two, uh, Jonah prays to God and God actually answers. I don't know why I said God actually answers. <laughs> Jonah prays to God and God answers. I actually came in no, you know, out of nowhere. Jonah prayed while Jonah was on. Oh. That was my next one. I apologize. So, like I said, in the Bible, it says, Now the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow up Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Where does a whale come in? I mean, I guess it's an interpretation because a whale is a big fish. Like huge fish. But it doesn't say it's a whale. It's kind of like how I was talking about the, the three wise men in the last episode. It doesn't necessarily say three wise men, but it was interpreted by people as three wise men. Could be true, could be not, could have been more wise men, could have been less, or it could have been three. Kind of like this. It could have been a whale, 
or it was literally just a giant fish. A big old sea monster. But a whale is associated with Jonah, and that seems to be the main focal point, and it shouldn't be. Even though it is a miraculous event, the what Jonah and the whale should not be the focal point of this book. So, if you can figure out why whale come into the picture, let me know. You can shoot me a message over at uh, faithoverdishonor at gmail.com. Hmm. Uh, so, I recommend you go and read um, Jonah's Prayer to God. It is heartwarming, and he literally, he tells God that he's sorry for wanting to run, but he is grateful that he allowed him to live in the belly of the fish. He he knows that he done wrong with fleeing from God and God's command, but he is grateful that God still took pity upon him. And so after Jonah gives thanksgiving to uh, God, because Jonah was on the verge of drowning before the fish swallowed him up, so... God literally, God saved Jonah's life again. So after Jonah prays to God, the Lord spoke, or it says spake, and the Lord spake unto the fish, and it vomited out Jonah upon dry land. Now, can you imagine living in the belly of a fish for three days and three nights? That is just crazy. Because you know it was dark and stinky up in there. But it was a way for Jonah's life to be saved. To fulfill God's command. So. Chapter 3. Like I said, chapter 2 was Jonah's prayer. I recommend you go and read it. And I'll get a sense of where his mind was while he was in the belly of the fish. Uh, chapter 3. And the word of the Lord came unto Jonah the second time saying, Arise. Go into, go into Nineveh, that great city, and preach unto it the preaching that I bid thee. So Jonah finally accepted God's command, and Jonah rose and went into Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceeding great city of three days' journey. But Jonah began to enter the city on a day's journey. And he cried and said, Yet forty days? And Nineveh shall be overthrown. So Jonah still had it in his mind and in his heart that Nineveh was going to be destroyed. He didn't care. He wanted it to be destroyed. He was dead set on Nineveh being annihilated by God. That's what he wanted. That's what he hoped would happen. He didn't care about the women, the children, the innocent lives that were actually in Nineveh. He wanted the city gone. So my next question why did Jonah say, yet 40 days Nineveh shall be overthrown? Even though God sent him to preach and teach his word. So, <clears throat> from what I researched, some say Jonah prophesied Nineveh would be destroyed in 40 days. Some say it was hoped that it would be destroyed. Jonah hoped that Nineveh would just be gone. But why 40 days? I'm not honestly sure why he said 40 days. Like I said, he could have prophesied to be overthrown in 40 days. 
Now, it says overthrown, not destroyed. But a lot of times overthrown can mean destroyed. You know, it's a whole new thing. But in Exodus 3.8, God promised to give the land of Canaan to the Israelites who left Egypt. So that also could have been what Jonah partially was talking about. The, you know, Nineveh should have been part of Israel. It should have been already under the control of the Israelites because God promised that land. But also, from what I read, it is highly possible it took 40 days for Nineveh to repent and find favor in God's eyes. It honestly could have taken 40 days. It doesn't say the time, the amount of time Jonah was in Nineveh. It just says he was there and preached the word. So the overthrow of Nineveh could have actually taken place, just not in the way Jonah hoped that it would have and had his heart set on. Because in the book of Jonah, if you know, if you read it or are about to read it, I'm going to tell you that Nineveh does turn its way. It does a complete 180. Jonah's preaching and teaching of God's word caused Nineveh to turn from their wicked ways. Amazing. Now, I and because it says in uh, verse 5 in chapter 3, the people of Nineveh believed God and proclaimed a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest of them even to the least of them. For word came unto the king of Nineveh, and he arose from his throne, and he laid his robe from him and covered him with sackcloth and satin ashes. And he caused it to be proclaimed and published through Nineveh. By the decree of the king and his nobles, saying, Let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, taste anything, which is fasting. Let them not feed nor drink water. But let man and beast be covered with sackcloth and cry mightily unto God. Yea, let them turn everyone from his evil way and from the violence that is in their hands. Who can tell if God will turn and repent and turn away from his fierce anger that we perish not? And God saw their works that they turned from their evil way and God repented of the evil that he had said that he would do unto them and he did it not. So Nineveh did a complete 180. They started worshiping God. They put down all their violent ways, their wicked ways. They did a complete 180 and started worshiping God. Jonah went there, preached the word, taught the word, and it grabbed their attention. So, little old Jonah, an Israelite, an enemy of Nineveh, just like Nineveh is an enemy of Israel. So I ask you, why do you think Nineveh turned from their wicked ways and began glorifying God? Is it because Jonah said that they would be destroyed? It doesn't say Jonah said that. I'm pretty sure Jonah wouldn't have said that. Because he wanted Nineveh destroyed. But he did what God commanded him to do was teach and preach his word. So, my answer to that question on why do, you, why do I think Nineveh turned from their wicked ways and began glorifying God. And it is because of influence. Because influence is a powerful thing. Jonah's preaching to Nineveh had a deep impact on the people. Honestly, if I saw someone like Jonah, who may look like they just spent three days and three nights in the belly of a fish, I would probably go make sure he was okay. 
I really would. I would make sure that he was all right because there is his clothes were probably burnt from stomach acid. His hair was probably gone. He was probably pale. There was a guy swallowed up by a big fish that lasted two days and he survived. He was in the fish. He was in the fish. He was in the belly of a fish for two days. His skin changed colors and everything. So can you just imagine how Jonah looked walking into Nineveh? You know, people seeing that kind of sight, they're going to go and talk to him. And if he has the influence of God behind him, it is a very powerful thing for him to preach to Nineveh and have them turn their ways. So, you know, once, you know, if I was in Nineveh and I saw Jonah, you know, I, I would I would definitely listen to him. You know, and if, you know, once I got to him and he started telling me a story as well as uh, telling me his story as well as God's, I'd probably listen with open ears. I would also tell people about him. I would let people know who he is, what he looks like, and the, the torment he went through with being in the belly of a giant fish. You know, and doing that, you know, it'd start from one mouth to one set of ears to two mouths and four sets of ears and just keeps going. So eventually, Jonah's preachings would probably make it make its way across the entire city, which from what I can tell, it did. The entire city of Nineveh heard Jonah. Now, and if enough people believe the story, then it can change the entire city. Now, it seems as if the king of Nineveh follows the people just as much as the people follow him. Because when the people convince the king, the king declares worship and glorification to God, causing the city to repent and for God to not destroy the city, but God's ways overthrew Nineveh's ways. God's ways overthrew Nineveh's ways. And, you know, it could have been, you know, just the people started to repent. The king could be like, eh, whatever, I don't care. But no, the people repented, the king repented. So it seems to me, and this is kind of clarified just a little at the end of Jonah, that the king wasn't evil. He was just ignorant about things around the world. He was ignorant about the proper way to worship. You know, if the people follow the king, the people are going to do what the king says. And if the king don't know, the people won't know. You know, and it seems vice versa. If the people, and it seems like that's what it is, kind of like in the story. If the people are worshiping this thing, the king's going to worship it because... It seems like the king wanted to be with the people. He, The king wanted to be with the people. He wanted a connection. Because he is with them in the repent and the turning of the wicked ways and worshiping God. Turn the page. Alright, so. Chapter 4. But it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was very angry. 
And he prayed unto the Lord and said, I pray thee. See, we went through this one. I pray thee, O Lord, was not this my saying when I was yet in my country? Therefore I fled before unto Tarshish, for I knew that thou art a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger, and of great kindness, and repentest thee of the evil. Therefore, this is where it gets like a pity party. Therefore now, O Lord, take, I beseech thee, my life from me. For it is better for me to die than to live. He was so upset that Nineveh didn't get destroyed that he would rather die than see them turn from their wicked ways. That is ridiculous. That is horrible. I feel bad for Jonah that his heart was hardened that much for people that was not Israeli. The ones that just were lost. He would rather die than see them come to God. That's not a proper preacher or a teacher at all. But we still have to love Jonah. And I do. I love Jonah. He, he made a mistake. He makes mistakes. But, I don't know, that just... I have never once in my life wished... How can I put this? I don't know. It, it is highly possible. Kind of like, you know, the people that commit the obscene crime involving youngsters. I have wished death upon them. But I never wished death upon myself if they didn't get justice. So, I don't know. I just, I can't believe Jonah would have told God to just kill him because Nineveh's not going to be destroyed. And, you know, Nineveh's not the enemy anymore right now in this book. They turn from their ways. So how Jonah's not rejoicing for that, I don't understand. But it could be because he feels like God broke his promise with the fact that Israel was supposed to have all that land. Maybe that's it. And it could be it, but still... He wishes death upon himself after converting an entire city of 120,000 plus people. So, Jonah says to God, I beseech thee my life from me, for it is better for me to die than live. Now, why would he want to die? And I kind of partially answered that, but it seems that Jonah would rather die than to see Gentiles be forgiven. That's what Gentiles are, are the people who do not follow God. He hated the Ninevites. God asked Jonah, why are you so angry? And Jonah walks away out of the city to the country to watch the city from the hillside, hoping God would still destroy it. Hoping. In all honesty, Jonah acted like a toddler, mad at a parent, because they said no to something they wanted but didn't need. And I read that part of my notebook because that's what we're coming up on. Then said the Lord, doest thou well to be angry? So Jonah went out of the city, sat on the east side of the city, and there made him a booth, and sat under it in the shadow till he might see what would become of the city. He literally turned his back on God again and did not answer God's question 
just threw a fit. He threw a toddler fit. Mm. But here, God shows him something. And it's awesome. It's amazing. What God will put forth to people that are acting the way that Jonah just acted. And the Lord God prepared a gourd and made it to come up over Jonah that it might be a shadow over his head to deliver him from his grief. So Jonah was exceeding glad of the gourd. Now, what it means from his grief was because some could say God was trying to protect him of his like evil thoughts because uh, he still wanted Nineveh to die. And some say it's because Jonah was in such torment that God wanted to provide him shade. You know, could uh, the sun beating down on him. Because it didn't say what time of day he got there. Could have been at night, yes. But, you know, kind of like us, we all seek shelter through day and night, no matter what. Even if it's hot or cold, we try and find shelter. And God gave him shelter. So... Jonah was exceedingly glad for the for the gourd. That's a lot of guts. But God prepared a worm. This is where he teaches him a lesson. <laughs> but God prepared a worm. When the morning rose, the next day, and it smote the gourd, that it withered. So after God gave the uh, prepared the gourd for Jonah as shelter, Jonah went to sleep. So uh, that not time. God could have prepared it during the day, and then Jonah finally went to sleep. Because it says the next day. God prepared a worm when the morning rose the next day, and it smote the gourd that it withered. And it came to pass, when the sun did arise, that God prepared a vehement east wind. And the sun beat upon the head of Jonah, that he fainted and wished himself to die once again. And said, it is better for me to die than to live. There he is, throwing another fit. And God said to Jonah, Do us well to be angry for the gourd? And he said, I do well to be angry, even unto death. Then said the Lord, Thou hast had pity on the gourd, for the which thou hast not labored, neither madest it to grow, which came up in a night and perished in a night. And should not I spare Nineveh, the great city, wherein are more than six score thousand persons that cannot discern between their right hand and their left hand, and also much cattle? So that kind of answered my question there a second ago, where I said, could it have been during the day that God put the gourd? But honestly, God right here says, which came up in a night. So, there I go again, kind of like the whole Elizabeth and Mary situation. Because <laughs> it came up in a night. Oh, man. Sometimes I get so focused on certain things, I don't realize what I've read. And I apologize. But now we know. I'm trying. <laughs> I'm learning like you all are. But it says, And should I not spare Nineveh, that great city, wherein are more than six score thousand persons that cannot discern 
between their right hand and their left hand, and also much cattle. And right there, the book of Jonah ends. Cliffhanger. So my question, why did God appoint a plant to shade Jonah, only to have a worm destroy the plant, and send a scorching wind from the east to cause discomfort to Jonah? Think about that one. What lesson was God trying to teach Jonah? I believe God wanted to show Jonah compassion, though Jonah was defiant to God. That's why he created the gourd. God is all about compassion. He did it with Nineveh, and he's trying to do it with Jonah. Jonah was happy that he was getting his way. Then God took away what he had given, and Jonah became upset and wanted to die once more. The teachings God did was to show Jonah compassion, teach him the ways of God to things. Now, Jonah cared more about the plant than he did for the 120,000 plus people in Nineveh because the plant provided happiness for him. The people of Nineveh did nothing for Jonah. They had no impact with Jonah, except he knew that they were an enemy before they turned from their wicked ways. God attempted to work on Jonah's heart where more of God's teachings and love needed to be present. That's the research I got. God was trying to show Jonah the principle of the gourd and the worm. The gourd is God. The worm is wicked. Jonah, the gourd was what Jonah was supposed to speak to Nineveh, but Jonah was being a worm. Jonah wanted destruction over now God's people because they were the enemy before they became God's people. He was trying to have Jonah soften his heart for people, for the enemy. You know, and if you, this is awesome, Jesus preaches to love thy enemy as you love yourself. Just like love thy neighbor as you love yourself. God was already trying to prepare a way for Jesus before Jesus came into the picture. But Jonah was having none of it. <laughs> so the book abruptly ends with God asking Jonah a question. We don't know what happens to him for the rest of his life. What do you think happened to Jonah? <clears throat> Do you think Jonah finally realized where he was wrong? Or do you think Jonah become a bitter old man? Don't know. It's not for us to know. But it's a fun thing to think about. I'm hoping Jonah realized how he was acting, how his heart was, and he became better. Because Jonah's story ends right there. So it is highly possible that Jonah learned his lesson and God knew that he was going to do great things later on. And he was just like, you see what you can do with me being with you? And that can kind of come into play with strangers we meet. 
you know, we can meet someone who has a hardened heart for everybody, anybody, kind of like racist people, bigot people, uh, people that look down on Christians because they believe in Jesus. You know, there could be a time where we actually say something that can change their heart, make them realize the error of their ways and never see them again. It is highly possible. So I'm hoping that Jonah realized what happened, what he was doing, and the wrong he was in. And that's the hope that we we have to give people as well. We pray that they find the error in their ways and they turn from sin. So I'm hoping Jonah done the same thing. So God's lesson to Jonah was compassion. And, you know, from what I can tell, it was compassion. Because God is compassionate and wants everyone to come to him. No matter who they are, where they are. He wants them in the kingdom of heaven. Jesus laid the, the way for everyone around the entire world to find him and come to heaven where he is building a mansion for everyone. I think that might be all of my notes. That totally is. So, yeah, the book of Jonah, very short book, very interesting, very informative. Um, It teaches us God is a loving God. Jonah even says God is a loving God, and he is a compassionate God, slow to anger. He will repentest the evil when people seek him. Same way Jesus paved the way for us to to do that, to become closer to the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. God was already working on Jesus to come in the book of Jonah. That was That's a good lesson right there, the book of Jonah. It's amazing. Never really read the book of Jonah until I decided, hey, I want to kind of do an episode on the book of Jonah. I've heard stories, seen animated movies, but never really, but like I said, they always focus more on Jonah and the whale with those kind of movies. So take what, take what you can from this, uh, from the book. Read it yourself. See what you can interpret. I recommend reading Jonah's Prayer to God. I wanted, I want you to read that. I don't want to read it for you. I want you to see how quickly things can change when it comes to fate, or not really fate. Sorry, I was looking at a book on my shelf. It's called Fate. Fate's a Dark Legacy by Larry Dean Toler, and for and fate popped in my head, but uh, faith. I should say faith. Not fate, faith. And, you know, life and death situations. So, be sure to dive deep into the book of Jonah and see what you can come with, come up with. But, we are, this is the longest episode I've done. Because I did a lot of research for this episode. Um, I want to say thank you all for coming to Faith Over Dishonor. I really appreciate it. Um, it is amazing on what we can learn when we open up the book. It is amazing what we can accomplish through Jesus and the compassion and the love that we can truly feel when it comes to Jesus. It is amazing with the uh, the paths that we walk, the paths that are laid out before us. And we have to remember that we are not perfect. We, we sin every day. The key thing is to ask for forgiveness. And what I would like to do with some of these episodes is getting to a real talk kind of like I mentioned this before the real talk Christian bod- uh, podcast 
<laughs> That's funny. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, I want to get into topics that people are uncomfortable discussing when it comes to Christianity and being a Christian. There is one thing I really want to do some research on. And that is the LGBTQ plus whatever. I don't know. There's a lot of letters now. I want to do some research into that and the Bible. Because in this world, you've got preachers out there and people that are completely antagonizing and judging those people. And how I see a preacher that, how I see a preacher should be, is a compassionate preacher trying to teach them not to judge them. And I really want to get into that kind of uh, topic. I want to see what I can find. Because a lot of, a lot that I've seen, you know, in movies mostly, is they always want to go to Leviticus when it comes to uh, the gay community. You know, it says laying, uh, laying with the same sex is an abomination. And I want, I want, I, w- I just want to get further in that. I want to see more of where it talks about that kind of relationship amongst people. So that's going to be my next venture. Anyways, thank you very much for tuning in to Faith Over Dishonor. Um, like I said at the very beginning, I say that a lot too. Like I said, um, at the very beginning of this episode, I am going to try and do a bi-weekly uh, episode. So that way I can time manage my, management, time, manage my time more. I was trying to say time management, but it was not going to make a proper sentence if I said it in that direction. But <clears throat> I'm trying to manage my time better. Uh, I have books uh, to write. I've got work. I've got a family. I've got research. So I promise you there will be at least two episodes a month. And sometimes, who knows, if I have a little extra time on my hands, there might be a bonus one up in there somewhere. Who knows? Um, Don't forget, if you like the show, rate it on Spotify or wherever you're listening. Uh, Leave me a comment. You can, you know, send me a message at faithoverdishonor at gmail.com if you have any questions, comments, any topics you'd like for me to discuss. I want to be a great teacher. Technically, I'm not a teacher yet. I have a lot of learning to do. I want to be a great disciple of Jesus. That's what I want. If it's in God's will, let it be done. If not, then I'll just learn. And I will do what I have to do on the path that God puts me on. But until next time, thank you very much. God bless. Do not forget the reason why we are Christians. And don't forget what Jesus has done for us. Now, before we go, I'd like to say a prayer. So that way, I don't know. I can't. I, this, 
it's not really a so that way. It's literally, I just want to say a prayer for you guys. Lord Jesus, it is in your name that I pray that you guide us and lead us and protect us in our day-to-day ventures. Please give us the understanding of your words and give us an example of, a, of an example to follow. It is with you that we find love, eternal life, and paradise. I pray in Jesus' name that Jesus looks upon all of you, smiles, gives you peace, takes you by the hand, and guides you where you need to go. Through him, all things are possible, and without him, nothing is possible. Through him, nothing is impossible. I love you, Jesus. Thank you for letting the world turn another day. Thank you for allowing me to come in behind this mic and talk about the book of Jonah today. I hope I did you proud. I hope I didn't make too many mistakes. And thank you for being with me each and every day. I love you, Jesus. And it is in your name that I pray. For you are the power and the glory. 